Good evening, good evening, good evening. We're back. It's been a minute, but we're back, ready to uh, share our thoughts with you on the sports landscape and more. Thank you for listening to another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing very fine, considering we all sat at the table one day this week and ate until we went to sleep at the table. Just bent over, just just put our head on the table and said, just leave me here. I'm all right. (laughs) Was it it good? It was good. We got itis. I I got itis on uh, Thursday. I sure did, indeed. Itis came and got me. Yep. Real quick, let's talk about where Wildcat and I were earlier Sunday inside Reed Arena at College Station to watch a top 10 matchup between Texas A&M and the Duke Blue Devils. It was exciting. Yes, it was. It wasn't. A 15-point lead and then what? And then it it wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing game to watch. Is that how you put it? But uh, Artistically, it wasn't. No, I like aesthetic. <laughs> Is that how you gonna put it? I like that too. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, because uh, because the, the word so, that was mentioned was uh, it got kind of physical and we wasn't ready for that. It was yeah. Coach Joanne P. McCauley for Duke after the game, she was more complaining. It was, she said it was physical. Everybody who watched the game agreed it was physical. She was more was too bothered much. with the inconsistency of the officiating. Yeah, previous I'm game they played. Refs call fouls in kind of touch foul, and today touch fouls were not being called. It was much more physical. But I'm glad to say that you can go to the Houston Round Bar View on channel on YouTube and listen to and view uh, directly out of the mouth Duke uh, post game press conference as well as AM head coach Gary Blair's sit in with us. It took about he took twenty minutes to share his thoughts with us. Doc, and watched that as well. He did. And the sad part is he didn't ramble on. He actually had something to say, and um, and that was the scary part. So at Coach Blair is on there. Coach McCauley and freshman Rebecca Greenwell for Duke. I right, shoot her. There. She hey. was in the first half. Then she realized she couldn't go to her left, and Aggies kind of held her in check in the second half to help them come back from 45-30 down midway through the second half. And he got a four-point victory. Duke was without their best big player, Elizabeth Williams, All-America, who injured her ankle in Friday's game. So she did not play today versus Aggies. And her absence was felt down the stretch especially. But it was clear Duke dismissed layups. And Courtney Williams and Courtney Walker started making three-point shots and heated up in the second half to help the Aggies come back and, and win the ball game in front of about 6,100 people inside Reed Arena, which is more than teams here locally may get for the whole season. But that's another topic for another discussion of the podcast. But when it got loud, it got loud. But you know I'm correct on that, though. Oh, yes. It's difference. It's a difference. It makes a difference down down the stretch. And while we're we're talking about that, and you also go to the YouTube channel, Houston Round Bar View, and check out the post-game press conference with uh, Courtney Williams, Jordan Jones, and Courtney Walker for the Aggies. All three of those are on, on the YouTube channel. So that was fun. I enjoyed the game. Hadn't been to A&M in a while. Coach Blair has talked with me a couple of times and basically said, asked me when am I coming back down there. So I had to. I was able to fit it in my schedule. And uh, noon game, Sunday game worked out well. See the Aggies play Duke. So it was a good matchup. See both those teams in the NCAA tournament. Wildcat. Yes, sir. 
women's college basketball has seen upsets already in these couple and, weeks. And I texted you as of such the other day. We're there, and I'm going to ask the same question today. Will we see not so much parity, but a competitive season amongst the top 25? I, I sure hope so. We can talk about, uh, let's see, Tennessee is struggling right now to play in the Longhorn. Tennessee lost a few days ago to UTC, also known as Chattanooga, or Tennessee Chattanooga for the second time since the first visit a couple years ago. They lost two years ago in Chattanooga to uh, to the Mocs and Tennessee struggling versus the Longhorns today in Austin. Longhorns beat Stanford after Stanford beat UConn in the UConn's 42-game winning streak. In our last podcast, the three of us didn't give Stanford a chance in hell of beating UConn, and Stanford got it done in overtime, and then Stanford lost to the Longhorns. And then, the next and then team. followed that up with losing to North Carolina in Hawaii in the Rainbow Wahine tournament. Which Prairie View participated in, bless their hearts, and, and Prairie View will go 0 3 in that tournament after they lose to Stanford today, this evening. Because they're playing, I think, at 6 p.m. as we speak, as this podcast yeah, goes on. Beat up pretty bad as expected. They only had five points. It's 23 to 6. So, right, 10 minutes left in the first half. Doc, I didn't mean to. Go ahead and finish that point, sir. But yeah, so we got upsets going on. So we got Stanford, has already lost twice. Tennessee's may lose twice, and season's barely two weeks old. Had a chance to catch a little bit of Connecticut, you know, already has a loss in uh, Saturday's game versus Vanderbilt in a tournament in Florida. Gentlemen, Gino Oyama is unleashing a full-court pressure, press defense now, so opponents be ready. I'm not sure how many teams, especially if you're not a top 25 team, top 15, top 10 team, can handle full-court press defense on the women's, women's college basketball side. No, not too many of them can in the American Athletic Conference. <laughs> so we'll see how that plays out. But Tampa's in April. Yep. We're seeing better teams, uh, better matchups for the most part. Still not as many top 10, top 15 matchups, non-conference as I would like to see, but it's getting better. Coach Blair, one of the things he did mention to us in his post game, but these matchups prepare your team, help your team get better for conference play. And it's all about being ready for tournament postseason play in March and April. So that's the reason why he schedules these tough non-conference games. And not not enough coaches do that. Do that. And it was something that Gino mentioned while we were in New York. That you should be scheduling, you know, teams not just to help yourself out, but to help the conference out. And sometimes that needs to be a mandate from the conference head that your 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 lower tier teams should be scheduling better. Without, so when without a doubt, but that but that's lower tier. I'm, I'm I want to see that more among the top ten, top fifteen, well, top twenty, the, the ranked teams. I want you to to schedule better teams, better matchups in order to improve yourself, but in, improve and increase interest from the fans. I fans want to see better matchups instead of seeing you playing cream puffs. I think that's where it really gets interesting is when you're talking about building the game, that's where it becomes very important to understand the importance of scheduling and scheduling top-ranked teams against each other. I think what you talked about at the beginning of the show, what we uh, called upsets uh, between top-ten teams, is a good thing because you want to get to the point 
So they're not necessarily seen as upsets, but a big time matchup where either team can win. So I think it's the start of something that'll be interesting to see if this is just a blip on the radar or is this a transition uh, to a new framework of what would be the top, top teams of women's basketball being able to play with each other. And with after Stanford beat UConn, and that game was part of ESPN's uh, 24-hour hoop marathon, Stanford went to the number one spot in the coaches' poll. But after Stanford lost to Texas, South Carolina moved to number one in both polls, AP and the coaches' poll. South Carolina struggled uh, in their first game. I think they was in a tournament in uh, the Bahamas. But they got it done. They, they pulled off the victory, and now they're riding the ship. But I believe, I need to pull out the schedule here, but South Carolina has a, I think they played North Carolina. I hope that's what it is. I'd like to see that matchup if that's not the case coming up. But this Saturday, gentlemen, December 6th, roughly 2.30, 2.45 our time, Connecticut goes to Notre Dame. Nice. Game is going to be on ESPN2, I believe. I'll get more. I'll find that out in a second. But that's a game that I truly believe Notre Dame will win, should win because it's at home. And I think they match up well with the Huskies first and foremost. They believe that they can beat UConn. Not enough teams do. First things first. There you go. There you go. Yeah, you got to believe. So, yep, that game will be this Saturday, Saturday, December 6th. Oh, and I forgot another about another, uh, I guess, upset. Maryland, number 10 Maryland lost, I think, a couple of days ago. But, yes, so Notre Dame's got a nice schedule coming up. They play Maryland December. That's part of the um, Big Ten. I still not used to Maryland being in, in the Big Ten, but it's part of the Big Ten. I think Big Ten ACC Challenge. Wednesday, Maryland plays Notre Dame. And then Notre Dame plays Connecticut, and then they play DePaul. So three ranked teams in consecutive consecutive games for Notre Dame. So that's that's good to see. So maybe it's it's slowly creeping in to women's college basketball that there's nothing wrong with playing elite teams <laughs> in non-conference play. <laughs> you know your season won't die. You won't it won't crater. You won't collapse. You won't fall apart if you if you lose to a ranked opponent because you like the whole point is to be better come tournament time in march and in april agreed of course absolutely because as was mentioned in the uh conference call earlier this season you know you you advertise games when the games are actually played they don't measure folks don't want to see that anymore I want to see a game that's advertised played out on the court. Because we all sitting, you know, that's entertainment dollars. I was incorrect. South Carolina plays North Carolina Central on December 1st. So that's Monday rather than North Carolina. But they do play Duke next Sunday. So a top 10 matchup there. And they play Kentucky. January 11th, you know, as part of the conference play in SEC. So we have top 10 matchups around. And let's talk. I'm going to scan the Houston area landscape of college basketball here, women's basketball. 
Uh, if I must. You know, not a lot of wins going around here in H-Town. U of H women were in, the, in Puerto Rico for the San Juan shootout. A few days ago, they lost to Idaho State on Friday by 6, 73-67. Then Saturday, they were blasted by our top 25, James Madison, 84-60, to be expected. On the men's side, the Cougs were thumped 84-63 at Harvard. That's after they had a decent win over Morgan State at home, 72-57. The Rice women thumped Alcorn State, 61-33. And I think if I'm right, Alcorn State scored like seven points in the first half. Something really sad and just awful. Uh, This is after Isles lost to Little Rock, 55-40 on the 22nd. And came back to win 59-54 over AM Corpus, Corpus Christi before beating Alcorn State by 28. The Isles are three and two, setting up a matchup versus the Cougars yep. on Wednesday, December 3rd at Hoffman's Pavilion, 7 p.m. I won't be able to attend because the Rockets are playing the Grizzlies, and since the Rockets are not taking role of the media, I can't afford to miss those games. So I'll be at Toyota Center. For the Rockets and Grizzlies matchup, yes. Yeah, so correct. You have to sign up. They, they sign are taking role. role yes. Like they, you heading to my. We don't, have, we don't have any sign-in sheet, but they will come by and check, <laughs> check and see that you, you are at the game. So yes, they will do yeah, that. Yes, they started checking us even in, even in my department. We started to get checked on a regular basis now. So yes, that is correct. I'm just saying we we started getting checked. Yes. Your look says it all, what, Doc. Exactly. All Your look says it all. I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. I mean, if you're in a, if you're in an elevator, you're in an elevator. You know what I mean. <laughs> the the, the uh, Rice men went over in the Great Alaska Shootout. They lost in overtime in the first game, 77-71 to Mercer. Then lost 76-74 to Washington State. In the last game of the tournament, lost 65-54 to host Alaska Anchorage. HBU women lost 75-72 on the road to Texas Pan American after beating. A few days earlier, Southwestern Assemblies of God, 85-57. Huskies are 3-2. On the men's side, HBU men are 2-2, are two two, but the two wins are over Dallas Christian, 88-44, and Hillsdale Baptist, 89-53. I'm not even sure if those even count in the NCAA's RPI rankings. Let me think. Well, okay, do they count? I don't no, think they no, do, but yeah. No, no. As, as mentioned, the Prairie View women are in, in Hawaii collecting experience and checks after the losing to Hawaii, 72-58. And they lost to North Carolina, 81-45, and are in the process of losing to Stanford right now as we speak. The PV men, Doc, correct me if I'm wrong, they're also winless. Yes. They lost to Brown. Lost, they just went winless in the Las Vegas Invitational. They lost to Memphis by 25. They lost to Stephen F. Austin. By 12, and they lost to Brown by 10. The Teacher Lady Tigers picked up one win. Yes. They defeated IUP, IUPUI 71-61 after losing to Tulsa by three in their first home game. That was, was that Tuesday? This past Tuesday, 67-64. So the Lady Tigers are one and in four. Overtime. In overtime. In overtime. Okay. There we go. Thank you very much. TSU men are one and five. Got that win against Lamar. 71-59. Yes, so sir. Four, that, was that was a home game, wasn't it? Programs, two men, two women. 
TSU has two wins. Prairie View does not have any. Oddly enough, TSU has won two games, two of them at home, although one of them obviously came on the road, lost at one to Tulsa, but the men picked up their win. But they won't be back home until conference. Yeah, the men, God bless them, go to Waco Monday to play Baylor. Get that check. They just left. So, yes. It, that was them that we saw. So, get that check. It's, it's, and it was good to see him. And, and Baylor's going to be upset. They just had a tough loss on Friday, but they didn't shoot very well. So, they're not going to be in a very good. Yeah, they won't be. Even a, though it's after Thanksgiving, they won't be in a very good giving mood, I would assume. I don't know. So, um, Texas Southern, I had a chance to actually travel with them uh, to go see them play Tennessee. Uh, in Knoxville, very nice uh, travel arrangements, um, nice arena. SEC game was on television, all their games on television. So it was good for the young men. They had a chance. Very well-played game, particularly for the first half, if you're a Texas Southern fan, SWAT fan. Uh, they win that game 30-30, or it's tied at the half. And then um, really just got away with what the coach was saying, doing, and uh, had too many turnovers lost the flow of the offense, so Tennessee was able to pull away. Then they traveled to Norfolk State to return the trip that Norfolk State played here. I like those type of matchups. I got to tweet a lot of those that follow me. Got to see that and follow that game. And you're on Twitter where? Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, it's D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. And when I travel with the teams or different things like that, you always get that inside information. This is the third MEAC SWAC challenge, if we use that football terminology, for basketball. Two of them been neutral sites. Um, the first two games went the MEAC's way, including this one that was actually at Norfolk State. They were tailgating out there. They Told me to come out there and get some food. They were treating me very well. I like the hospitality as we talk about the HBCU sporting diaspora and cultural identity. It was all at its place. Very nice arena. You can tell it's a basketball type arena. Coming out of CIAA, all that history they have down there. But then obviously taking it to the MEAC. And a couple of years ago, people remember the big tournament win that they have. O'Quinn that now is playing with Orlando getting picked in the second round. Yep. They have uh, the image of the players that have made it to the pros on the wall, 1,000-point players. He Obviously, he was including in both of those. Uh, right now, he's fighting his injury, uh, which is unfortunate for him, but hopefully he can bounce back because he was a crowd fan down in Orlando with this style of play, hustling and um, defensive nature. Good person. But uh, in that game, you can tell Norfolk State was uh, – very impressed in terms of wanting to make sure they got their win. Played harder than I thought Texas Southern. Coach alluded to that. I got an interview that you'll be able to listen to uh, before the game with both coaches and one post game. Um, if, if you want to check that out, you can go to SoundCloud. We'll have it up there for you uh, before the end of the week. So those are some things. But big news of the day is Sweat finally got a win. Mississippi Valley State defeated North Carolina A&T. And I was excited about that because the coach at Mississippi Valley State, Andre Payne, is a fraternity brother of mine, Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity, uh, actually from Alabama A&M. And I had the chance to bring him into the fraternity. 
uh, while I was working up in Alabama A&M in Huntsville, Alabama, if you know, where I got a rude awakening of understanding the need to pick Alabama and Auburn, which was a game that played this weekend that many people may have thought about or heard about a little bit, the Iron Bowl. <laughs> Bring that to fruition. Yeah, lots of defense in that game. Lots of defense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But as I told you all early, and I'm sure we'll get to that, Mississippi State did lose. So Lost all that Bowl, multiple yes. SEC talk is quieted down quite a bit now. As I said, it was back early, early, early. Yeah, but with that said, that's why you're the sports professor, Doc. Thank you. That's why you're, you're part of these podcasts. So I wanted to give some personal shout-out to Andre Payne in terms of getting his first victory as a Division One coach as he's the new coach at Mississippi Valley State of the Devils. Over North Carolina A&T, the final score of that game was 66-63. to They were in uh, Corpus Christi for uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi uh, tournament. They do down there. Okay, okay. Participate in that. So they got a win there. Coach so, Willis Willis. That was that was uh, big for them. So we'll continue. The women do play a couple of games like that, and, and so it's interesting. Alabama State has split as we talk about the women's side of HBCU women's basketball. As you gave us some precursors of some of the big time programs, but uh, Alabama State has split, lost to Alabama State, but defeating FAMU. And FAMU actually will play Southern later, so that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. I'll keep you updated on that. That game is on the 16th, I believe. So it's a little ways off, but we'll keep you updated. And another one I thought was interesting, uh, the athletic director has a tournament at Tennessee State, has a tournament named after her, Teresa Phillips Tournament. Uh-huh. I thought that was a nice show for her. And they brought in uh, two H- well, one HBCU program, so two HBCUs playing it versus two non-HBCUs. And around Robin having two games. So I thought that was a bit interesting and something unique that they decided to create. And I thought it was a good thing. So you have uh, Norfolk State played Tennessee State in that. Uh, Norfolk State lost to Tennessee State. But also Youngstown State was involved. Youngstown State beat Tennessee State 73-66. You look at some of the mid-major, low-majors, whichever terminology you prefer. And obviously you had... Uh, Nickel State playing it out of the South Line, which is back in our region, Park area, to give you some ideas of what's going on at the HBCU front. But the big game that's back on the map that I got people texting about, done the right way, football-wise, is the Bayou Classic. You know what? It was for all the marbles, and it lived up to the term that you hear HBCU. Lots of defense in that one, too. Lots of defense in that one, too. Yeah. Just a little. Yeah. Just a little. Just a little. <laughs> and a big defensive play at the end of the game. <laughs> Goal line stands. If you're a Southern fan, they'll tell you that was the most important defensive part they seen. Yep. But I'm going to talk more about the business side. Attendance, 57-852. How mercy. Battle of the Bands, 28-562. How mercy. So the Bayou Classic, back it's, in business. It's relevant time. now. It's relevant. Relevant once again. Be interesting to see if they can stay on that way because people were even talking about switching teams out of there, pulling Grambling. Oh yeah, it was. It, it, so it, it, got it, it got ugly. They got ugly. They got ugly. Grambling could not have the story season they wanted, bouncing back from what took place last year. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of tough, in a lot of ways, and me kind of wanting to see them do that. Uh, but obviously, Southern will play Offshore State right here in Houston 
NRG Stadium for the flag championship game. Bitter rivals, so that game should be jam-packed. Uh, early this year, Alcorn State, the Braves actually beat up on the Jaguars, but the Jaguars are playing some real good football. They were number one in the poll. We'll see if they stay there after that win. You would think that they would. Grambling obviously failed. but Give, the, give, the, give the final score, Doc. In that game. It was uh, 52 to 45. And Grambling had a chance. 12 seconds left on the clock. Fourth down during that drive after blocking a field goal to make sure that they kept themselves in a position to tie to take it to overtime, or I guess they could have went for a two-point conversion at the end of the game to even win it. Um, they converted two fourth down plays during that drive, including the last one uh, where they had to get to the one and a half yard line, a half yard line if you would, to convert the first down. So you almost thought they would have to get in the end zone. Quarterback rolled out, dove for it magnificently. Didn't quite get in the end zone, but he was on the half-yard line, so they reviewed it. First down, uh, 12 seconds, uh, and they run the ball. Tight formation. I couldn't believe they ran the ball with 12 seconds. I said, if you're going to run it, you at least would have a spread, try to spread them out, and I said, that would be risky. Uh, but that's one where uh, the learning experience of the coaching or lack of experience at the head coaching position. Wow. I'm sure that he'll think about that all off season. All off season. Tough call. Southern makes the play. Stiffs them at the goal line. They review it like they always do all scoring plays. Referees move out in the game. Some people are saying that Coach thought he had a timeout based on what was on the scoreboard, but you obviously know that uh, you have to know how many timeouts yeah. you have there. Yeah. So I couldn't believe it. But it was excitement. One last thing, the Battle of the Bands showcase. Southern actually had a ex-football player that got engaged and asked. I saw that on Twitter. I didn't know he was a football player, but I saw that on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, he was an older football player. wasn't a current football yeah, player, yeah. but one in the past. Came back very uh, involved in the Alumni Association, so I guess he was able to get it done, and she was totally surprised, and the band worked with him. Pull it out. Actually came out of the gift box and gave it over the ring and did it. So it set Twitter ablaze. Most likely some didn't, but it was. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. It was very interesting. <laughs> it was enough. It yeah, got I thought it, it was brilliant in terms of the marketing part. Anything to sell. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Keep it on the front of people's lips. You got to do what you got. You got to do what you got to do. So you know, because you're in competition. You're in competition. You got to. You got to get stuff done. It, it was, the and classic is relevant. And, and Doc. Uh, the other sad part I have to talk about before I close out on HBCU. Go ahead. Yeah, I have one more week, basically, is the fact that you had Morgan State, which was part of that five-team tie. There you go. In the MEAC, they had the tiebreaker uh, based on multiple-level tiebreakers that you've seen. And you had it go down, and they played Richmond, and they really just got beat up in that game. It was quite ugly in terms of that 40, 44 to 20. No, forty six to twenty four, excuse me, was final that score. So it wasn't Could have been worse. Yeah. It wasn't close to it all. And that was a and that's a bus trip. Yeah, it was. That's a bus trip. And, and and the last one I give you is at the mid major level is Virginia State. They were playing for in the second round uh-huh. of the playoffs and their season finally came to an end as they lost to 
Bloomsburg yeah. out of the Pennsylvania State yeah. Athletic Conference. Losing that game as well. It wasn't all that close either in terms of a 24-14 score. Make sure I have that one right. 35-14. Huskies of Bloomsburg got it done. They're now 11-1 and 9-0. So that'll close out the season for the mid-majors. But the majors have one big game for championship take it all, which will be Southern versus Alcorn State. And, it'll and when is that? Top five. This Saturday. And where is it taking place? Right here in Houston, Texas. NRG Stadium. I'll be there. Tickets are available? Yes. Guy, the question came up earlier this week. Well, first, let me make mention of my Twitter friend. There is the University of St. Thomas, located off of Alabama and uh, Vernon. I think that's what this is. Google it. You know, whatever. But their basketball team... Went two two and one this week this past week uh, on the men's side. Uh, the men won at home on Wednesday night. They beat Arlington Baptist eighty three seventy nine. On Friday, they beat uh, they lost to Saint Edwards in a uh, Saint Ed- in the Saint Edwards Classic uh, ninety one to fifty eight. And on yesterday, they beat the University of Saint Francis fifty eight fifty six. The women's basketball lost to Lamar University 67-35. And on... Who's the head coach of the women's team? Uh, don't know. Don't know. No, because I was asking because I knew... Because the, the program is, is new. Oh, yes. It's, right? it's less than three years old. So, yeah. Uh, and they're starting to do some things over there. It's, uh, some alumni are starting to come back and help with some things. I'll put it that way. Uh, and on Tuesday, the, uh, let's see, no, on last, uh, yeah, because they hadn't played since last Saturday. Uh, no, that's right, Tuesday. Uh, the, the women lost uh, to Arlington Baptist. No, I'll take that back. I'm wrong. I'm reading it wrong. It's Arlington Baptist 70, St. Thomas 75. Now, the question came up, you know, I was at a breakfast uh, earlier this week with some folks. People were t- asking, you know, about the swag and why Mike Ricks teams had, you know, the, the teams hadn't made it, hadn't had been invited, or didn't get invited to the uh, FCS uh, playoffs. And I told them to make sure they listen in and they would get an, a a better explanation than I could give them concerning what the swag has, has done. Concerning that that point, absolutely. Um, the way the FCS is set up, there are about sixteen conferences at the FCS level. Okay. And of those, half of them get what you call automatic bids, and the playoffs have actually expanded. If you think about it historically, the first one there were actually only four teams that went to the first playoff. Two of them happened to be HBCUs at the time. One would become a member of the MEAC, Florida A&M, right. that eventually actually won the entire thing. The first, or what now is the inaugural FCS, mm-hmm. at that time was the one AA playoff. And Jackson State played FAMU in the semifinal. Those that followed that, it was actually a legendary lore and said whoever won the game would actually win the championship. 
and it was a battle between two teams. The Fannies obviously came out on top. Jackson State came out of sweat. But at that time, what you did is you had regional pools, and you didn't have what you have now, which are automatic bids. When the tournament expanded to eight teams, the uh, NCAA decided to have automatic bids. Okay. And when they go to automatic bids, which is similar to what you know in the basketball tournament, when you do that, half your field will be automatic bids, and the other half will be what you refer to as that large bids. So at that time, when you had eight, you would have four. And then it expanded to 16. Basically, eight different conferences were able to get automatic bids. Ivy League has decided that they don't have postseason in terms of football, so they didn't participate. Okay. SWAC, essentially, um, you to get the automatic bid, you had to finish your season before the tournament started. Well, we just talked about the Bayou Classic. Right. Bayou Classic is played... Thanksgiving weekend. Right. When the, the tournament expanded to 16 teams, they pushed the start date of the tournament up. And so it started playing on that Thanksgiving weekend, which precluded the SWAC from having all t- teams finish their season before that. So they never got an automatic bid. The other program that was involved with that was also Alabama State, who had a legendary game with. Tuskegee, which is not in the SWAC, a Division II right. program, uh, called the Turkey Day Classic. Right. That actually, we've talked about it on podcasts. Yeah. was canceled two years ago when Tuskegee decided that they were going to go to the playoffs. We talked about the fact that this right. was the second year that Tuskegee went to the playoffs, Division II. Second year that they lost. First year they got to host the game. Played West Georgia, who I would add to let you know uh, the caliber of team they were playing in the first round. Georgia actually won the second round game. They're playing uh, the third round. West Georgia did. Wow. Uh, they beat Tuskegee in that opening round. Very close competitive game, 20 to 17, I think it was. Uh, off the top of my head, three point game, one way or the other. But to come back and close out on t- trying to give you what takes place. And so the tournament of the SCS actually expanded to 20 teams. So 10 conferences get automatic bids. But the problem is, because of the Bayou Classic, the SWAC is ineligible for automatic bids. But they are still eligible for at-large bids. The problem, as of late, they hadn't had any team that has had a season worthy to qualify for at-large bids. Okay. So to sum it all up, for the individuals that will be listening, the SWAC does participate in the FCS playoffs. They don't participate as a automatic bid conference. They participate as an at-large bid. And because of the Bayou Classic and now the SWAC championship game, they are unable to even put themselves in a position to earn an automatic bid. But they do have at-large bids. They just haven't had teams outside of the teams that would qualify for the SWAC championship game to be in a position to earn an automatic bid. And so that's actually a battle that goes back between the MEAC and the SWAC. You used to have a postseason bowl game, if you will, between the MEAC and SWAC. Yeah. MEAC decided to kind of put all their marbles in the tournament. They haven't won the tournament over plus 10 years in the playoffs, so some people question whether they should still do that. And so it kind of goes back in the uh, urban community particularly, between HBCU fans, 
Should the SWAC participate as an automatic bid win team conference, if you would, to the FCS, or just the opposite? Should the NEAC give up their automatic bid and participate in the SWAC in terms of what some people would want to call the HBCU Super Bowl Classic, if you would, or something like that, to name a national championship between the NEAC and SWAC members? Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Rockets update. Rockets are winning despite injuries, despite losing Isaiah Cannon Friday to a bum left ankle, which put him in a walking boot and crutches, and they lost to the Clippers on a Friday. They bounced back Saturday and outscored the Bucks in Milwaukee 117-103. Milwaukee tried to run with the Rockets. I don't know. Milwaukee's a young team. Milwaukee must have thought they were playing the, the Pistons again or something. And that the Rockets don't have enough firepower or can't compete with the Bucks. And James Harden just said, enough of this. I'm the best player on the floor. And proved it. Harden's <laughs> playing well on offense and defense. And yeah, he's, I'm going to give him his credit. I'm going to give him his credit. He's carrying the load. He's doing a great job keeping the team winning with despite not having Dwight Howard and Isaiah Cannon and Terrence Jones and Patrick Beverly. Terrence Jones with a knee, Dwight with a knee. Beverly with the hamstring and now Isaiah Cannon with the with the uh, left ankle injury. So they're they're finding ways to win. You gotta give them credit for that. I'm not thrilled with the style of play and how many three pointers they jack up, but you win with what you got. So you gotta give them credit for that. Gentlemen, we've uh, talked a little bit about some information sports wise, but how can folks find you, Wildcat, on the yeah. internet? As I, and I'm working as we, uh, right now on YouTube. Uh, it's, uh, and blogger, you can find me at AKSV, the CSR. And on Twitter, TweetDeck, and Facebook, Jerry Lee Woodley Jr., JL Woodley 1. And I am. I'll come back to you, mix it up a little bit. I'm KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Website is HoustonRoundBallReview.com, www.HoustonRoundBallReview.com. Also, www.THERR.com. Some folks call it the, the HRR.com. On Twitter, at the HR Review. Once again, that's the. HR Review on Twitter, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube. Catch our podcast. We have a, a podcast page on Facebook, KG, Fifth Water Wildcat, and Doc on Facebook. The podcasts are available on SoundCloud as well as iTunes. And I am glad to let the listeners know that my colleagues are learning how to add their own interviews, etc., on SoundCloud.com. So check, look for them. Yeah, the audio. I'm fixing it. I'm talents on SoundCloud.com as well individually. So the three of us will all be on SoundCloud.com soon. So we got to branch out and adjust with the times, and and you got to adapt or die, and we're adapting. So, Doc, how can folks find you, sir? Yes, on the social media platforms of Instagram, Twitter. You can find me at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. 
Again, that's the social media platforms of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram uh, to find information. You can also email me directly at kcaville at thg-agency.com. Say that again. Slower. Like Ralph Cooper says. Slower. Definitely. K-C-A-V-I-L at thg-agency.com. That's K-C-A-V as in Victor, I-L at T as in Tom, H as in Henry, G as in gregory-agency.com and now obviously at SoundCloud you can hear me in terms of the group podcast or individual podcast from a inside HBCU Sports Lab program that I do on kswhradio.com every Tuesday so yeah, we're recording that and we're going to put it on SoundCloud for people that can't hear it live but want to go back and hear the show uh, we really go inside the numbers of HBCUs. We look at some of the business. We give you updates on coaching positions. Uh, as this time of the year, obviously, uh, it's difficult for some coaches because they're being dismissed. But that means that some other coaches going to be very happy because they're going to get their chance to put their stamp of approval on the program. So we'll keep you updated on those different moves of what's going on in the HBCU landscape, particularly from a HBCU sporting diaspora and cultural identity platform with business as well. And before we shift gears and talk college football, take a moment to hear from our sponsor, THG Agency. Are you looking for business strategies and services in the areas of sports management, educational leadership, and project management for your sports camps, AAU teams, local business, or athletic department? Well, you come to the right place. THG Agency is the Heritage Group. It is a fully integrated sports entertainment, educational leadership, and project management consulting company focused on sports leadership and educational administration with six areas of consulting expertise, sports business management, educational sports assessment, data analysis, educational curriculum development, advanced leadership execution, and statistic solution consulting. Our services are well-defined but tailor-made for our clients we represent. For more information, give us a call at 281-330-1341 or email us at info at thg-agency.com. You can also visit the website at thg-agency.com. Thanks once again to THG Agency sponsoring these podcasts and as we get closer and closer to 2015 we're looking for for additional sponsors of the podcast so listeners if you have friends businesses you want to be part of these podcasts and sponsor us you can get in touch with each of us or any of us and get more information about how to sponsor the kg fifth ward wildcat and doc podcast college football locally the fighting levines the Houston Cougars, my alma mater, smashed, woke up in the second half, thank goodness, Friday morning slash afternoon, and defeated the woeful Southern Methodist Mustang 35-9. to It took them a while. They, they finally ran the ball, got effective running the football, and put the Mustangs away in the third quarter after just a really piss poor first half performance defense got beat on a slant pattern allowed the Mustangs to score a touchdown but the important thing is the Cougars won the football game they Wildcat correct me if I'm wrong have one more regular season game left against Cincinnati in the 11 a.m. Saturday morning on ESPN 
against Cincinnati. That's on the road, correct? Yep. And then after that, you sit around and you wait for a uh, phone call. Cougars are bowl bound. The chances are, I believe, that they'll still be in the state of Texas. In, in Fort Worth, in the military bowl. That's either, either that or the heart of Texas, which is in the Cotton Bowl. The heart of Texas. Is that a new they, one? Yeah. Is that a new sponsor? It's, I think it's two years, two or three years old. That's how much I keep up with all these damn Hey, old, that, that, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm a college sports reporter. I appreciate you. That's why we all help each other out here. That's, I and the, and the sad part about is. it all, between those two games, four teams could actually match up with local ties. UT, A&M, U of H, and Rice. That's where we are nowadays. That's why the, because of the, the season falling out where it is and where the, those teams are, are stationed in their individual conferences. That's, Doc, that's where we are. But, yes. I mean, I'm being honest. Those being four honest. teams are in four different conferences. But in the Cougars win over SMU. They rushed for 282 yards to 78 for the Mustangs. 433 total yards. Ground and pound was in full effect in the second half, as it should have been. Uh, Kenneth Farrell rushed for 115. QB Greg Ward Jr. rushed 111 and three TDs. Two TDs for Kenneth Farrell. And I believe he Kenneth had four TDs in the previous game, so he's had six in yep. two games. And then Ryan Jackson with a 66 yards. And Doc, Wildcat. Hold on. Before you move away from that. Still the same game. That's the other team. Okay. Now, how did <laughs> SMU get nine points? Like I said, they scored a touchdown on a slant pattern. Defense took bad angles, resulted in a touchdown, and then a safety that they got on the Cougars offense. And the Cougars a took safety. over, uh, I think, first and one. First and, ten, first and ten from their own, their own one. You race gave up a safety. And uh, Greg Ward was called for intentional grounding in the end zone. Got nothing. I just... just well, you know, they're trying to pass protect, and it's not their strength. Their strength is run blocking. So, uh, Greg Ward tried to scramble, and the guy was in the end zone. and Got hands in the cookie jump. Tried to throw the ball away and was in middle, of the, in middle of the field and was called for grounding in the end zone. So, that is a safety. Yes. And it's interesting that uh, you mentioned about, you know, what's going on with the offensive line. Uh, senior... Embu, uh, Joey Embu, yes, uh, has got invited to a couple of postseason uh, uh, bowl games. Senior invite, senior senior invites, yeah, senior bowls, senior bowls invites. Shrine, East, uh, what East West Shrine yes. game? Well, you talking about Conference USA? The big one that you no, that's the, that that's the Amer- that's the no. Act. I'm just saying we're okay. going back. Look okay, at Conference USA in America. The big upset in Conference USA in terms of oh, I was going to get around. Yeah, I was going to get around to that now. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. I was. I don't want to leave the matchup. The <laughs> other team in the matchup because SMU Monday new morning yeah. afternoon is going to announce Chad Morris as the new head coach. What you think? The bar I like has it. been raised. I like it. The bar I like is, it. The bar has been raised because now you got another quarterback coach that moved moved into this into this state. That's going to be recruited. I agree. I think you it's got ties to Texas high school. Yep. Yep. A&M graduate. My question would be curious in terms of has he had any fortune with uh, getting the professors 
Now, property at SMU. Now, that, push back. I'm, 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 I'm glad you mentioned that because that was. But why would you say that, 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 that Doc? No, he, he, he had a reason. No, no, I know. That's, that's, yeah, I, know. I, I know why he brought it up. Because I thought Jim Jones did, Jones, and, to his credit, did a great deal. And that was one of his, 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 program his, in his reasons for moving, uh, not so much for the facilities, but how much support he would get from administration as far as being able to put the program where TCU is and where Rice is and getting those, that, that edge athlete into school and actually putting your contract on the line and saying, I'm going to make sure this guy is where he needs to be down the road and graduate. And, and up to this point, they haven't had real issues. They've had some issues academically as, as far as the faculty. They've been questioning a lot because of the, uh, the, everybody's familiar with the, with the Dallas uh, uh, public school system because that was one of the, re, uh, one of the issues before uh, years ago. I respectfully disagree with I mean, yeah, and the only, only reason I'm saying it because that came up in a conversation. I'm saying it now uh, because it came up in a conversation during a during a uh, uh, a one on one with uh, with uh, uh, football coach when Coach Jones first got the job. Right, but I disagree. What's your reason for DSD? There's some issues with DSD in terms of like any inner city public school, but the the issue kind of goes back historically from the death penalty. When the death penalty came in with the NCA, the faculty senate really had a chance to grab a foothold on what they thought the academy should look like at SMU. And when they did that, they really pushed to make sure that, as they would phrase it, is that the athletic program could not run amok to the extent that it did that got them on this probation. So for the longest period of time, when you recruit, people may not realize that oftentimes you can get what you call special admits. They are students. To be frank with you, unfortunately, oftentimes they happen to be uh, students of color that are admitted to the university, which is a whole different framework of discussion why I thought it was important to bring that in when you start looking at the exploitation issues of this framework. But there are students that are admitted in terms of special admits that do not meet the general criteria of the overall enrolling student class. SMU has tremendously increased their academic value in terms of institution to their credit. And to do that is you have to make uh, the ability for students to get admitted to your program, you tend to raise those scores, uh, which means theoretically you're going to get a better quality of student based on how we measure students in this country and around the world to some which is based on standardized tests. In this case, that's SAT or ACT tested are supposed to tell you uh, the likelihood of a student being able to matriculate through your institution over a four-year period and then six years in terms of APR, six-year federal graduation rate. Don't want to get too far into that. But when Coach Jones came in, one of the issues he had from the framework you're talking about is the ability to get those special admits. Yep. Similar for those that may have wanted to hear this at a bigger level, this is some of the same issues that go on at Notre Dame. Yep. In terms of football and other places such as Rice right yep. here locally. Yep. 
in terms of what you're referring to as special mint. Yep. So that's why I triggered that question. That, that, and, I would and have no noted. question as you that, said. That that this is a noted. very quality coach. But unless they have allowed and the faculty has kind of yeah, made their reign. Yeah, but losing not so much uh, give, uh, to take, uh, you know, giving no, up the rain, but the, 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 we'll the, say it's straightforward. They're going to allow for special admits. Yeah. There ain't no <laughs> secret about it. You're going to allow for special admits. Students that are not meeting the minimum score of your overall general population that you allow into your institution. The administration has been friendly, if you would, in terms of understanding if we're going to be competitive that we need to make this happen. But as I said, because of the framework that took place with the death penalty by the NCA, we use that terminology, the faculty had really grown very strong in terms of making sure their voice was heard in the academic arena. And people that are not familiar with the academic setting may not understand how faculty sentence can be very strong in terms of academic freedom and controlling that. Because they can even vote what you call a no vote of no confidence. Anybody at the institution does not want if they see that things are not run in a strategic manner. So that's why I asked that question. I, I understood. Have the faculty decided I that, I understood. that maybe that it is beneficial to some degree? That's the only way I can see them saying it. Yeah. Is that we will have the caveat that we'll allow this new coach to come in and have the ability of a lot more special admits. And Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you see it, yep. I don't like it, to be frank with you. But to be competitive yeah, in this current environment, I think it is incumbent on the institution. Unfortunately, as I'll say it again, because I don't agree with this framework, that you do need to have special admits. And the reason is, is because, frankly, other schools are having special admits. The SEC conference is built. For those that don't understand my frustration. Say that again. Say that SEC. one more time. Say it again. The SEC framework is built on special admits to the institution. And they have grown not only that conference, but their institution academically off the back of special admitted student athletes that happen to be of color. Frankly, if I put it straight to you, African-American students that are not graduating and D, we already know that they don't go to the pros, so don't get it confused and say, well, they're going to the pros. That's 1%. Uh, even at the largest institutions, the athletic director at Texas Southern, one thing that I brought to his credit, he put that out there. Even over their long historic history, they only put uh, two players at most in the NFL year, less than one in baseball, one in basketball. And the SEC, even if they're doing more than that, you're just talking about two or three per year off a roster of bringing in 24 freshmen per year. You can start to see the numbers as they are. So that's a concern when you look at that, to be competitive that you're going to have special admits. And are these students going to be able to survive? No matter how much help that you say that you're giving them right. academically, can they survive in an environment that – where other students in the classroom are getting admitted with SAT scores of now, let's say, 2,100, and you have somebody special admit with a score of 1,200 or 1,400. Is that fair? Does that make sense? And are you really hurting the student versus 
as you try to put it out there that you're helping us. And this is one of the first places where we could have this frank discussion. So I thought it was important that once you tied that in, that we kind of left and not just cheerlead yeah, just I from get, oh yeah, that to take his ability to work on that, but let people know the whole framework of what it is in terms of recruiting and admitting students to your institution. And as we're talking about the SEC, we're going to talk about the crappy defense that they're playing in the SEC. So crappy that it's resulted in two defensive coordinators being relieved of their duties. In other words, they've been fired. A&M fired Mark Schneider Friday after they got run over by LSU. Literally run over. Run over by freshman running back Leonard Fournette in his 146 yards. Literally run over. And then earlier today, Auburn. 60 minutes. Auburn fired, or excuse me, relieved of his duties. Defensive coordinator Ellis Johnson. I'm not sure why though, considering he he only gave up he only gave up 55 points to Alabama in the Iron Bowl, and that was roughly in three quarters. It's only because uh, Auburn's ranked 10th in the SEC in scoring defense. It only give up 390 yards per game on defense. They've allowed 30 or more points in the last six conference games. So I'm not sure why he got fired. This tough conference, you know, you got to score on somebody, right? You know, and, and then. Mark Schneider. He was only looking to give Aggies, what, 25? The Aggies' awesome defense ranked 103rd nationally in yards allowed for games, 449, including a 223 and a half. That's almost half rushing on the ground. So, just, literally, they got run over. This is the toughest conference out there. They should have two teams in the playoffs, right? See, well, that's, that's what they say. That's what people say, you know. They're trying to get it done. This is the same conference that went 0-4 against the ACC this past year. Yeah. Say that again? This is the same SEC conference that should get two teams in and went 0-4 against the ACC. Florida lost to Florida State. Georgia lost to Georgia Tech. Let's see. Louisville beat Kentucky. 0-3. And the fourth one was Clemson, Clemson beat South Carolina. Yeah. 0-4, right? Watch that one. All our numbers. Had, right? I, had, had an opportunity to watch that one. For it the first time since 2000, that, it was, it that four teams, ACC went undefeated. Old ball coach. He was going back and forth now between flipping his hat now and his little visor. It wasn't good. ACC is thumping his chest. They were a basketball league. What happened? Well, that's, that's what they said. <laughs> but the that's SEC, what they you know. The only one that's proven that to a point is uh, Alabama still act. is number one in the AP poll now, three points ahead of Florida State. They make a State legitimate argument to be number Because one. Florida State's Jameis Winston spent more time throwing passes to uh, Florida. Rather than Florida State. I'm not going to come here because I was with some people yesterday. He can, and, I'm just, and you know where I'm going. But I'm going to let that go now. He completed 12 go. passes. Four of them went to Florida. So, fortunately, Three in the first quarter. You know, the, the Florida State defense did I'm enough to uh, win the ball game 24-19. <laughs> and set up their ACC championship showdown with Georgia Tech this coming Saturday. And that should be interesting. It'll be yeah. interesting. And no defense is not good to stop in the run, but it'd be especially difficult if Jameis continues his yeah. trend of throwing picks in the first half. Yeah. He's now thrown 13, I believe 13 interceptions in the first half this season, most in FBS football play. His his draft stock continues to plummet. Not, not because of off the field, because on the field, he, he just... Well, not looking, it, it, not it, looking very good. It looked good. Uh, the, the conversation KJ and I had earlier today uh, while we were going up to... Um, A&M, why are they having an, a bad first half this year? 
They're not. I mean, people I'm, are looking I, I, on. I'm gonna tell you, people are looking on the offensive side of the ball, but Florida State's problem right now is defense. People didn't realize how strong they were defensive last year. And to give credit to the SEC and let people know that I just don't pick on them. One of the strengths of the SEC when they were having their dominant championship run was not necessarily what they did on the offensive side of the ball. It was defense. It wasn't until a and Texas A&M came in with the offense that now some of these SEC teams are starting to change the offense. Give credit to uh, Auburn as well. Which I hate. On, uh, what he does on the offense. Yeah. Way too much offense now in college football. That's well, way the, too the much. Rules have been, so the rules have, have done that. Yeah. Which, to me, is what's going to be interesting in this Alabama-Missouri matchup. And I think most people think it's a far-gone conclusion that Alabama, the tie, will get it done. But Missouri is more of a traditional SEC defense than people probably would imagine. They have a very aggressive front four that will give some problems uh, to Alabama and teams that have been able to do that. And Mississippi team, when they were clicking on cylinders, uh, defensively is the team that, if you remember, right, gave yeah. Alabama problems actually gave them that loss to yeah. give you a degree of how much problem they have. And Missouri will be able to score some points. Plus, they've been there. This is the second year in a row they've been there. Mm-hmm. So, I think this game will be a lot closer than what people think. Uh, Oregon, I think the other one that will be interesting is that Oregon-Arizona game. Oregon <laughs> ranked two. Most people's polls really just blew up Oregon State in terms of that Civil War rivalry. 47-19 was scored. That wasn't that close. No. For most people. No. Mariota's putting his stamp on what on people his, think of the highest. Oh, yeah. Actually made a move that was interesting because it wasn't him actually posing for the hazards. It was a natural move that he made in the game. But somebody actually caught it an angle. It looked like he was making the highest pose that they toured it out there. I thought that was kind of cool to see out there because it was so organic in nature of how it came together. But I think that'll be interesting. Rich Rod, Regis, that coach that Michigan got rid of, they might have figured they did it too fast. He's back in the business. And back in the football back. business, quick. Don't be too quick. To just pick Oregon. That's going to be interesting. The one that's sad that we got to bring home, uh, Texas, and I want to throw a little Texas high school football in here since we're going to do it, that this is, to me, when it really gets interesting in Texas high school football after Thanksgiving because this is when you oh, yeah. get the serious teams, quality teams, yeah. teams that are really hot if they're at this, uh, making it into their third, fourth round of the playoffs now. But – Quarterback for Ohio State, man, heartbroken to see him go down. And you know, JT Barrett. I, JT Barrett. What we is talked it? about earlier yeah. that he was going to be really. Yeah. And look what he was yeah. putting Ohio mm-hmm. State right in the position. They yeah. probably would have jumped in top four. Some people still have him in there uh, in regards to what to do. And I give Urban Myers some credit because. That was his guy? Have a third, no, I'm talking about the I, fact I, that, I, he br- that he had yeah, his quarterback about, ready to play. Yeah. But all of that, he lose that quarterback in that game. It was, uh, it was still a game. When he loses, oh, he brought the you know, third quarterback in the system now, the backup, runs the wildcat with another one, ran some yep. and pulled away it, from Michigan. And basically, basically and he, 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 he did the Bill Walsh thing. 42-28. Put, him in, put the, the, the guy that he brought in, put him in a situation to succeed. Not even manage the game, not even lose the game, not even try and win it. Just go and just do what you do, what, we, what you Should do on the scout team. Oh. No. Uh, uh. Why? Because they're without their starting quarterback, he's out for the season. Yeah, 
Yeah, now, but I, I, I don't no. use that. I don't. I'm not. I'm no, not no. bracing it on that. We, I'm, I'm not. They are going to use that in when they. Uh, that's, like, that's, so that's 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 what I'm saying. But but going, I, I, but going I'm forward not, I'm right now, they're not. I'm, the, I'm, you I'm, don't I'm, have to. Their okay. best team. They're without their best quarterback. So going forward, they're not. But they're not going to be. Lost for, the same thing when they lost the original quarterback. Hey, maybe the third one. Maybe it's just a situation. We'll see. Who are they playing in the Big Ten championship? They play Wisconsin. Right. And so I think that's we'll get a chance. Okay, to really so yeah, see. we'll see what they do, what he does against Wisconsin. Yeah. If they and win that game, even if it's close, I'm gonna give them not. But if they find a way to go, yeah, they yeah, going away. Yeah, you have to give them. Five yeah, points. you got to. I'm not right now. Hold up! Yeah. Whoa! Whoa! Hold! Hold up! Hold you up, Mister Baylor, Mister Mister Art Browse, Mister Art Browse, Mister Art Browse, number one fan. Hey. Oh, hold! No! 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 Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Go ahead. Go how, ahead. How is Ohio State gonna? Vault Baylor and TCU the in brand. your eyes, the brand. you know, no. of the mighty mighty Big Twelve with, with the third string quarterback. How's how's that going to happen, sir? Explain yourself. First of all, Doc just mentioned something. It's going to be that brand. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be that brand. It's going to be that what, brand. What brand? The, ba- the, the Baylor brand over no, no, no. over the Ohio State brand. No, that brand? No, no. What you just asked me was how would uh, how would uh, uh, Ohio State Make the move above okay. and get into the four. It's because of that brand and where they are. And I'm not basing right now, today, as we sit here, that they are in. A, they are a top four. They are in a position right now. And going for moving forward with the last game being next week for the deciding factor, because I think they've got what two more votes or, or one more vote, and then. Putting the team and then putting the team together. Then they got to put it out there. Then they got to put it out there. Yeah, the four is next, so Saturday, next Sunday. So, do you believe the lack of a championship game in the Big Twelve will it hurt TCU, yeah. TCU and Baylor? Yes, I do. If everybody, oh yeah, I said that. Everybody, said everybody, that. everybody went out. Yeah, when the yeah. season started, I said it would hurt them. And and now it's, it's, it's coming it's, to fruition. It's, it's coming to fruition. So if Ohio State wins championship game, they're gonna get their shot. Oregon wins championship game. I knew they were going to get that shot. Florida State wins championship game. Definitely. Yeah. Alabama wins championship game. Definitely. Yeah. So four teams that won championship game yeah. will be the final four teams. Yeah. Baylor and TCU. And what the only thing that will happen is those two teams will vie for the first two spots on bowl games. All four teams are bigger name brands TCU and Baylor. Right. Oh, right now, today, as we sit here, yes. The only team that in our region that is above them doesn't have a record that they have. And that's the big 290. In terms of brand? Yeah. There's a few more teams with a more name brand than Baylor and TCU. I'm saying that that's not that doesn't have a record that they have right now. But the brand is better than the UT. I know, but I'm saying there's more teams in UT that have a better brand really? than Baylor and TCU. Not Baylor and TCU are squat. No, I'm talking about it's better than Texas. Which, no, I'm talking about the Final Four, the playoff oh, team. Oh, it's, it's, it's Michigan State better brand name than Baylor and TCU. That's I don't. That's a question. But are they a better brand in Wisconsin? Texas? Better they, brand name than Baylor and TCU. Are they a better brand in Texas? Absolutely. Oh, pet who? Michigan State better brand than Texas? Yeah. No. Wisconsin. No. What I got to do with Texas? No, because I'm talking about Baylor and no, TCU. No, because that's what what I referenced was the team, the one team that has a better brand than TCU and Baylor just doesn't have the record that they do 
this season to compete. And that's why TCU and Baylor will be left out. And that is UT. On any given Sunday, when you start talking about brand in the state of Texas, that's it. Everybody else falls in up under that. Yeah, I agree with that. So without, if, if you put them in that position that where TCU and Baylor is at, even without a championship, they're going to get their shot. Folks just go, I, I, Doc, I, I'm, 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 I agree with you, but before we beat that, then I think we made that point on that. Okay. Now, then I'm, I know, I'm some high school, UIL, is the how, UAB, the, how, how quietly the UAB program looks to the fact that it may cease to exist after this season. Yeah, hold or that thought real quick. Yeah. yeah, hold that thought real quick. I want to get, I want, we'll get into that. But Baylor's non-conference schedule. There you go. Which yeah. I said at the start of this season will come back and bite them in the ass. SMU, Northwestern State, at Buffalo. You did say Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. So, if... And TCU's... Non-conference, you know, TCU was a little bit better than SMU... Northwestern State and Buffalo. I mean, you're quote unquote a Power Five school, Big Twelve, big boy, and you're playing Buffalo and Northwestern State. And TCU, TCU was Sanford, Minnesota, and of course SMU. So hey, we both of them played SMU. <laughs> both of them played a team that has not won a game all year. And it's sad. So you know. And it's sad. It's sad. You have, your, you have yourselves to blame if it comes down to strength of schedule and you played three prompts. Now, uh, bring up our UT schedule. UT schedule? Yeah. I just, uh, hey, they're the brand. I want to find out what they did this year. And As they're bowl eligible at 6-6, six and six, UT, North Texas, BYU, and UCLA. There you go. Two of those, they played two better teams. There you go, they, and that's the difference. And that's the difference. That's the difference, right there. It's right. gonna be now. It's gonna be interesting what they look like moving forward because the defense definitely has been turned around. Oh yeah, at, at UT a lot quicker than most folks had, had thought it would. They either need the quarterback to take a huge step up or find a new one. And I think that's what's gonna happen. That's and the, the next next. Uh, the bowl game will will probably decide that whether they have a guy on campus in the program that's ready to go, or will they have to go and get one? I see it. We're going to wrap it up with the disappointing, somber news of UAB football maybe on the verge of extinction, apparently. Um, and it's going to affect their whole system, pro, athletic program. That's the worst part. I mean, besides, besides football. Conference USA requires their members to have a football team, so without that, they'll have to leave Conference USA, which means men's basketball, women's basketball, and the other sports. But men's basketball, or UAB is hosting the Conference USA basketball tournament in March. Yeah. So that would be a a black eye for the conference. Yeah. It's a shame for UAB and the students, the football players, the coaching staffs, when you have the basically the University of Alabama Board of Trustees determining the fate of UAB. That's what it comes down to in a nutshell. <laughs> Doc, don't laugh, Doc. I mean, no, you, you have the, the University of Alabama Board of Trustees determining the fate of UAB football. 
That's what it comes down to, point blank. That's deep. That's a hard statement to to just swallow. Yeah. I mean, you talking about choking and then throwing up on behind that. And Doc, the three of us. Shows you that politics go deeper than what people. Oh yeah, have yeah. Sport. That's a lot, and, that, and that's the that's the worst part about this. That's being petty. I mean, to me now, that that that's what my mindset is. It, somebody being petty for the wrong reason. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of adjectives. You, you know, I mean, I mean, it's, 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 that's just being petty right now. Be one, but I think there's some other another word. Also, ending tty. Yep. You know, let that go now. But yeah, I'm not gonna say it. But that's just another word I'm saying. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. And, folks, you can go what you want to with that. It's in the gutter. That's where we are right now. Street gutter. But, well, that's how they acted. Yeah. You know, I, and, and I never would have figured on. And, this and they're both eligible, too. Yeah, that's the other thing. They hadn't been, they hadn't been this. And, and, and the guy just got that job. The guy that's, that's yeah, coaching he's now, gotten, he just got the job. Help, he's galvanized a lot of people, and he's really worked miracles in a short time to even show that that program. Can be relevant. But which yes, here's part. here's a part. This is on ESPN's website. I think Joe Shad has reported this. He or Mark Slaybach, one of the two who cover college football for ESPN. This one's Mark Slaybach. Here's a little part right here. It shows you how petty or UAB, you the board of trustees for Alabama Birmingham has has been. I got to find it because this is just sad. But it goes to it happened at Grambling. Um, the head coach for UAB, Bill Clark, raised or used his contacts to raise money for UAB football. The board of trustees told him that uh, he cannot raise money just for UAB football. It has to go to athletics. Huh? I'm going to answer just like that, huh? What'd you just say? So yeah, I just I, I scanned, have skimmed over it. I'll find it again. But on here's some more stuff. In 2006, UAB had reached an agreement with Jimbo Fisher to become their new head coach. But the board of trustees nixed the deal. Jimbo Fisher is the head coach of the current national champions of Florida State University. And uh, the team has, that has won 28 games in a row and is in a position to be a member of the one of the four teams in the Final Four. Correct. Yet the Board of Trustees eight years ago said, no, 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 we don't want him as the head coach of UAB because he probably would have made them relevant. Correct. Well. And making them relevant would take things away from other schools in the state of Alabama. All right. Uh, go ahead because I got something to add to that. No, keep going, keep going. This, CBS this Sports, petty it is. Chip Patterson just has been at uh, today, 320, uh, 327 p.m. I'm reading timeline. AD is out. Football program could be shut down this week. Athletic Director Brian Mackin is reportedly out, and the, for, uh, the football program should could be shut down as soon as this week, according to multiple reports, media reports. Reporting that Macklin, the, uh, the Blazers' athletic director since 2007, will be fired as part of major changes to the athletic department that will include shutting down the football program. UAB become, uh, will become the first football subdivision 
Division I-A school to drop football since Pacific in 1995. According to ESPN.com, UAB head coach Bill Clark did not think the chances were good for the program's survival. Unless something changes before the weekend, I think the odds are very high it ends this week, he told Joe Shad. Wow. So that's so that's where we that's where we are. And, and where would where will Conference USA go looking for a replacement? Or will they try to replace them? Well, they, they got to, you know it would have been an odd number coming into Conference USA this, with uh, the new schools coming in along with Army next year. So now it'll be back to one even number. What is that twelve? Yeah. But they can still do a championship game. Yeah. I thought Conference oh, for football. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking basketball. I thought they had like. 15, 16 teams in, in, the, in the conference. Um, yeah. It's like, it's like the size of the old... Old WAC. Yeah, because yeah. it, 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 it was supposed to be an odd number with the new teams come, that being added next season for football. Now it'll be an even number. So it'll, it, it'll be about 16, yeah. It'll be 18 per division. But politics, politics, politics. Uh, wow. Uh, so Man. as we wrap it up, once again, how can folks find you, Wildcat? You can find me online. Mr. Conference USA. He is he is tied to Conference USA, so you may get some more information for us. Yeah, oh, yeah, because I'm going to make that uh, I'm gonna make that, that, uh, that call, that whatever. I'm going to make that contact. It may not want to talk, but somebody's going to better tell me something because uh, they know I'll come up into the office. I've done it before. You can find the Wildcat online at blogger and YouTube. I'm in the process of finishing out my uh, uh, post-game reports with the A&M and Duke uh, women's basketball today at uh, AKSV the CSR, the College Sports Report. Uh, I am also on SoundCloud. I finished that uh, uh, that uh, sign-in along with Twitter, TweetDeck, and Facebook Jerry Lee Woodley Jr., J.L. Woodley 1. Stay tuned. Conference USA. Doc? Dr. Yunyata Cavill, the sports professor. You can reach me on social media platforms of Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can email me directly at kcavill, K-C-A-V-I, at thg-agency.com. Say that again. Again, that's kcavill at thg-agency.com. Also, listen to me every Tuesday on Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, kcohradio.com, kcohradio.com. Or listen to us on SoundCloud for programs that come. Uh, later that week. And I'm KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, www.houstonroundballreview.com, also www.thehrr.com. Catch me on Twitter at thehrreview. Follow me on Instagram at Houston Round Ball Review, YouTube channel, Houston Round Ball Review. Like a Facebook page, KG, Fifth Ward Wildcat, and Doc on Facebook. Podcasts are available on iTunes as well as SoundCloud.com. 
as you can tell by the podcast, we talk a lot of different aspects of sports, college football, college basketball. You want to mention any high school before we leave? Katie's still rolling. Yeah, Katie's rolling. Katie's rolling. Katie's rolling. So somebody always asks that question. Y'all need to mention about us out here. We're I'll, in the suburbs. I'll quickly just kind of roll down. This okay. is the last eight in each of these. We'll do the 6A, 5A because they're the big program yep. people. And then as we That's get all they're interested in. To the Final Four, we'll get in show some love to the other programs. Big games coming up. Trinity and Alice. How much? start hearing these teams, you'll hear and you'll be like, ooh, Skyline. Really? Uh, plays Klein Oak. That's interesting. No. Inner City School, obviously. Region 2. Has been in the business the last couple of years. Can they finally make the final run and close it down? This Skyline program has had multiple Division One players, um, seven, eight players, so they are very talented. They just have to put it together. Judson and Reagan. Nah. Cypress Ranch and Dickinson. This is and that's San Antonio Reagan, right? San Antonio Reagan. This, not, oh yeah, not Houston Reagan. It's, no. Oh, sorry, yeah, folks. Sorry, it's, sorry, it's, friend, who's listening yeah, to this podcast. Just here, baby. That's six A Division One, uh, Division Two and six A, featuring that eight teams as we start to close out here. Cedar Hill, Carroll will play this weekend. Huh. At Cedar Hill, that's down that Dallas yeah. area. My brother is over there at Cedar Hill. That's yeah, why he's coaching Westfield it. in spring. That's why he's coaching it. No, my brother, the baby brother. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. Well, then I'll the have to have some. has uh, kids that at Cedar Cedar Hill. They have two freshmen coming in playing. Well, if, if they make it, then I make sure to get a uh, a photo and an interview. You know, at, at Cowboy State. Yeah. And that's the way I refer to. Steel and Brandeis. Steel is always in yeah. the business. The yeah. last one. San Antonio area. Katie and Manville. So that should be interesting Ooh. for people in this area. Oh, yeah. Guys on. Let's Big red machine. KDU, KDU. Uh, Division One. give you last teams getting in there. Randall, Aledo. Oh, yes. San Antonio. Yep. Oh. McKinney North versus Tyler. Huh? LBG Austin. How Mason. Vandergrift. And Temple. Central Texas. Yep. George Ranch. That's uh, down on the, on the, on the, 5A Division One, And the last one we'll look at is 5A Division Two. Okay. And again, for the listeners, we'll give the rest of the region some love as we get down to the final nitty-gritty. But the big ones, everybody wants a big matchup as they start. Uh, Everman, Kenneth Teo. Did I say that one right? I'm, Crosby. I have no idea. Wasn't that Kenneth Teo? Yeah. C-A-N-U-T-I-L-L-O. Yeah. That's it. Crosby, Huto, Cedar Park, Tivy, yeah, and that's South it. Oak Cliff. Yeah. And Ennis. Tivy? Tivy? So you just, out of those eight schools, I recognize South Oak Cliff name. I, I, I recognize Tivy. And Cedar Park. Remember, this would be your old 4 H. Yeah. Most yeah. of them. Yeah. Crosby. So there would be some 5As mm-hmm. that stayed. At the five. Most of these are your 4 A's that step up. When we did our six A's, those would be your old five A's that more of you recognize. But just wanted to shout that out. Big time matchups. Hope students out there are safe and enjoying themselves and as they make a run at a championship in football at the UIL level. And next week we'll have a better run of what what programs will be moving on to new coaching staffs outside of the ones that were announced this week because it'll be the last of the regular season for a lot of these programs. 
and some pro uh, programs will not waste time beyond the Saturday night, Sunday morning, Monday morning quarterback. Am I correcting, making that perception? Because mm -hmm. uh, that the favorite word I, I to be listening phrase for the, to be listening for this week, we're going. I, I made a decision that we're going in another direction, according to the athletic director of so and so's program. Yep. That, that's the that's the phrase that they make. I made a decision that we are going to a, a another another direction. Yeah, that's that, you know, that's the key word. That's the key word. Yes, sir. But I'm, uh, my question, my uh, my my first question is, which direction is that? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. I'll ask that question in a heartbeat. That's a good one. And everybody will be like, okay, it's open season now. Let's go. Let's jump it. Because sometimes what you have in front of you may be the best thing that, that's, that's for your program. Doc, I have some homework for you for the next podcast. Yeah. Saturday, I believe it was Saturday. Um, it's been updated today. But in Illinois, a lawsuit has been filed oh. against the oh, yeah. Illinois High School Association for football. The IHC. IHSA lawsuit seeks similar medical monitoring of Illinois high school football players as uh, the NCA ruling uh, NCA decided you know is working on NCA being sued and for concussions and yes. the medical you know all those things so Illinois is the first state to have to be sued uh, of the Illinois High School Association is the sports association it's the first one to be sued, but it won't be the last. I think it, you'll see it spread across the country um, slowly yeah. because high school football isn't overseen by a single national body like the NCA, but rather by school boards, so state law and uh, 50 separate high school associations. So that's why you'll see, I think, on a state-by-state -state basis, these lawsuits take place. So look for that in the near future, listeners. Thank you, as always, for your time. Gentlemen, listeners, thank you for your support. Thank you for being patient. I know I had one friend, supporter, actually two of them, who were disappointed that we weren't able to have a podcast last week. So they were very, very anxious and almost going through withdrawals. <laughs> I kind of like that. So I like appreciate that. that. That's so we're gonna make an effort. We're gonna make an effort, folks. So Every week we're gonna make an effort. So we, this podcast, I hope, helps calm those withdrawals, and thank both of them for their support and spreading the word about our podcast about the KG Fifth Foot Wildcat podcast. Excuse me, KG Fifth Foot Wildcat and Dot podcast. There you go. So um, we have the Swag Championship this Saturday. Here in town, in H Town, all corn state and southern. Doc, how many folks? They, give they, me a yeah. Approximate, approximate. Answer this question. How Doc. many people? What do, what do you think the attendance will be for the game between all corn state and southern? Because it's those two schools. Oh, last year the attendance was thirty-eight. And that was bad weather. Bad weather. I think you're gonna get. I'd be surprised if you get. Less than 42. I think it's between 42 and 45. Okay, so okay. 42 and 45. All so right. that's, that's half the building, so I can. Yeah. I, I, no, I think it's 42 to 47. 
Okay. That's half the building. I'm, so I'm cool with that's that. That's not bad. That's not bad. Let's see. That's not bad. Seven-day forecast. What you got? Won't be anything like it was last year. It's like high of 72, no rain, low of 60. So Autumn will travel really well. Southern, back-to-back, they're going to be in droves weather. You're going to get those Southern fans that didn't make it down last year from Dallas. They're coming in droves. So good deal. So I look forward to your report in in our next podcast on that. Good luck to both teams, Alcorn State and Southern. Fans travel safely. This is Texas. I'm just saying. And... um, Thanks for that note there, sir. Going to wrap it up, as I always do. In conclusion. Yes. Be true. Yes. Be cool. Yes. And do more. Amen.